Good day. Uh, welcome to this week's uh, study of the book of Hebrews. We continue to explore, extract, and experience the love of God through the study of the book of Hebrews. This week we're looking at Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 7. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 7 um, form what I would call the peak of the mountain. Uh, if, if the book of Hebrews was a, was a mountain, chapters 5 and 7 would be part of the peak, would be the peak of the mountain. If you've been to Table Mountain, Cape Town, you know that you'll be at the peak of the mountain for some time. So there will be a number of peaks on this mountain. And chapter 5 and chapter 7 uh, form one such peak. And uh, it then forms also the topic of the study, which is Jesus, the faithful priest. Now, our memory text comes from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, which reads, For such a priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and is become higher than the heavens. Now, um, the interesting part about Hebrews chapter 5 and 7 is that it is focusing on the priesthood of Jesus. That is the point that uh, Paul tries to bring home, the, the priesthood of Jesus. And he does it in a very interesting uh, way, which has also become a very controversial way. Uh, he introduces this character called Melchizedek. Um, he says, Jesus, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And this character of Melchizedek actually then forms a basis of various studies. Now, the first part where we meet Melchizedek is in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, where he meets Abraham coming from battle, and he gives Abraham bread and wine, and he blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives Melchizedek um, the tithe of, 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 of the spoil from, from the battle. And um, from that on, then Melchizedek uh, leaves the scene. When you go to Psalms 110, verse 4, uh, you will hear again, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And after that, uh, there is no Melchizedek. And um, Paul then brings up, um, you know, trying to explain the priest of Jesus, leaning on this character called Melchizedek. Now, many studies have researched on the person of Melchizedek. Uh, some have sought to understand if he's an angel. Some have sought to understand if he's a divine being from a different planet. Some have sought to understand if he was Christ incarnate. Now, uh, what I found interesting in all these theories is that uh, it is the silence of the text that ignites such research. You know, and it actually, it is at the same time the very silence of the text that Paul works with to bring out his point on the priesthood of Jesus. Now, Paul had uh, an array of other things that he could have picked from Genesis chapter 14. He could have uh, elaborated on the wine and the bread. He could have uh, elaborated on the kingly role of Melchizedek. Uh, he could have elaborated on the tithe aspect. You know, but uh, he doesn't. He simply focuses on the priesthood of Jesus because it seems that's the point of the lesson that he wants to bring home. Now, I'll go back to the point that Paul uses the silence of the text. Now, when Paul says uh, uh, Melchizedek has no father or mother or record of birth, you know, without beginning of days or end of life, he, he is talking about um, the fact that this encounter or this person, we have no record of him. 
he appears in the Bible and he leaves. And it is this uh, absence of, of this record that Paul then uses to try and bring out his point that, you know what, you don't know if he's dead, you don't have a record that he's dead, you don't have a record that he's alive, you don't have a record of his birth. You know, so therefore he just remains a priest forever. Then he says, like the son of God, he remains a priest forever. So, so Paul is emphasizing on the priesthood of Jesus, uh, especially on the aspect that we have no record of Melchizedek's birth or death. However, that point alone will then point us to the fact that uh, Jesus Christ will also remain a priest forever. Now, why, why would Paul go to such pains to try and explain the priesthood of Jesus? Now, to understand that, we need to appreciate that in the Jewish economy, there were two important uh, or powerful roles or offices. You know, this, this included the office of the king and the office of the priest. Now, all these offices are found in Melchizedek, but Paul picks the priest. Now, why the priest? Now, in, in, in the Hebrew uh, economy or religion, you know, there was no salvation without the working of the priest. It was the priest who went before uh, God with the names of the children of Israel. Uh, on the Day of Atonement, it was the priest who went before God. So the priest was there to help mend the relationship between man and God. So there would be no forgiveness of sins without the function of the priest. So it is this aspect that Paul is now trying to point out the greater part in the role of Jesus Christ, that without this priesthood function of Christ, our sins cannot be forgiven. He actually says that, you know, these are the priests that were there. We're not able to make you perfect. But Christ has come and is able to make you perfect. That's why Paul is trying by all means to make sure that you can accept Jesus Christ as your high priest. As your high priest. So Paul is trying to push this um, uh, theology or this lesson to the Jewish Christians. Now, another point that we need to appreciate is that the Jewish Christians had known, had grown up knowing, had learned, and had experienced, and were taught that to be a priest, you had to be from the house of Levi, the family of Aaron. That's, that, that's, that was your qualification to be a priest. You have to be from the house of Levi, from the family of Aaron. Now, when the Israelites came back from uh, captivity, some people failed to assume the role of priests, not because they were not from the house of Levi or from the family of Aaron, but because they failed to prove that they were from that house. So it was very important for one to be uh, a priest. They had to become to it. They had to be from that family or from that house. Now, in this case, now Paul is now bringing in an issue that, okay, this Jesus Christ that I'm saying is your new or is your high priest who was represented by Levi and Aaron is because Jesus Christ is from the tribe of Judah. It's from the tribe of Judah. So Paul is trying to bring out the point that, you know what, what you have uh, experienced and learned has found its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who is coming from the tribe of Judah. Now that called for what I thought was radical faith. 
a person had a grandfather, a person had a father, a person was a Levite, and they knew and they believed and they were taught that they were the house of priests. But Paul says this priesthood is actually in Jesus Christ. So it called for a radical faith, for a radical change in thought. You know, as much as Aaron served, you know, one in the order of Melchizedek, born of the tribe of Judah, is the faithful high priest. The shock that you would experience if told, you know, I, I, would, I would give an example like um, trying to experience the shock that these guys felt. It's like someone coming to tell you today that uh, at the age of 60 years, you know what? The person you are calling your mother is not your mother. You have pictures with her, you have experiences with her, but you know what? <laughs> she's not your mother. You might even look like her, but she's not your mother. Then they say, now here is your mother. Now, that is shocking. And that is what the Jewish Christians were going through as an example. You know, so Paul had to make sure that the Hebrews accept Jesus Christ as their high priest, as their salvation rested on that faith. Now, I hope you see why then the book of Hebrews is about faith. It then becomes about faith because now people who had learned and adopted and taught other people that the, the priesthood of Aaron would lead them to salvation. Now, Paul is saying, you have found that fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So now put your faith in the high priest, Jesus Christ. One major lesson I want to, I want to leave today. One major lesson. Now, the, if you were a Hebrew, if you were a Jewish Christian listening to Paul, were you going to leave the Le Levitical priesthood and follow Jesus Christ? Were you? Okay, before you answer that question, my last question is, what truth have you faced before in your life which has required you to change your beliefs? What truth have you faced in your life which has required you to change your beliefs? If you can answer that question faithfully, then, like the Hebrew Christians, you are going to accept Jesus Christ as your faithful high priest. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Welcome to this week's study of the book of Hebrews, the gospel of better. We've learned about the better priest, the better priesthood, uh, better than angels, a better name, a better leader. By the time we get to the end of the book of Hebrews, we'll have learned different types of betters. But this week, we're going to learn about the better covenant. The better covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 reads, But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. We're going to learn about a covenant, the new covenant. Now, with the entrance of Melchizedek in our study of Hebrews, we learned that the priesthood of Melchizedek was a better priesthood than the Levitical priesthood. So this made Christ's priesthood a better priesthood. Now, this follows naturally that if Jesus is a better priesthood, 
his covenant that he mediates for is a better covenant. So Paul now brings out this story or this line of study about the new covenant or a better covenant. Now, let's try and compare the new and the old. What was new about the what was new about the covenant and what was old about the covenant? Now, the old covenant was pointing to Christ who was to come. And the new covenant was pointing to a Christ who came. So one was looking forward in faith, another was looking back in faith. Now, the old covenant, Paul says, was not able to make us perfect. But the new covenant is able to make us perfect. The old covenant was not able to cleanse us from all sin, was not able to give us access to God. But the new covenant says that the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us from all sin or all unrighteousness. With regards to access, the new covenant says, come boldly to the throne of God. Now, in the old covenant, the law is described as a tutor leading us to Jesus Christ. But in the new covenant, Christ is described as the culmination of the law of God so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Lastly, the law could not make us perfect, you know, through those sacrifices. The sacrifices pointed us to Christ and they couldn't make us perfect. But in the new covenant, Christ has come as the sacrifice who is able to make us perfect. Now, it follows naturally that Christ was a better mediator um, than the Levitical priesthood. Now, the lesson uh, or the Bible tries to compare uh, Moses and Jesus. So for us, we'll just pick two, two areas where it shows that Christ is a better mediator in terms of this covenant. Now, Moses was said to speak to God face to face as with a friend. But we know that in the book of John, Christ is described as the word that became flesh and lived amongst us. So Christ doesn't only, so to speak, speak to God face to face, but Christ himself was God dwelling amongst us. Moses is described as, as having a face that was bright after spending time with God. So his face was shown with brightness, you know. But Christ is described by Hebrews chapter 1 as the brightness of the Father's glory. So those two uh, points, uh, Paul brings them out to show that Christ is a better mediator for this new covenant, for this new agreement that we have with God. Now, the lesson goes further and tries to bring out the issue of better promises. Better promises. It says that the new covenant has better promises. Now, well, there's a wild, wide study on that, but I want to focus on two things. I want to focus on the statement that says, or the promise that says, I'll put my laws into their hearts. That's one. And the second one that says, they shall not teach anyone, or no, everyone will not be taught by anyone, because the law will be in their hearts. Now, I will put my laws into their hearts. What is it referring to? Now, the laws were written on tablets of stone and put in the ark. But God is saying this time, he wants to write those laws on the human heart, the human mind. It has to be ingrained in us. 
it's no longer external, but it's part and parcel of who we are. It's not something that we look at, but it's something that we live in. Now, it goes further and says that now the Levitical function of teaching, you know, uh, people will be led by the Holy Spirit unto all truth. Now, this brings in the function of the Holy Spirit in leading people unto all truth. And and these two promises, the, the new covenant brings in these new two promises that the laws of God will be written in your hearts and the Holy Spirit will be teaching you. Now, that doesn't replace the spiritual gifts that the, the, that, that the church was given through the teachers, but the aspect of the Holy Spirit coming in to teach you those things. I think these are part of the better promises that came with the coming of Christ. Now, as we conclude, um, the, what problem did this new covenant solve? Was it a hard problem or was it a legalistic problem? Was it a hard problem or was it the problem of the law? I like Jeremiah 17 verse 1. It says, the problem of Israel was that their sin was engraved with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond on the tablets of their heart. So the hearts of Israel was sinful. It was so sinful that, you know, being written by a point of diamond, you couldn't change it. So when Jeremiah comes, he doesn't call for a change of law, but he talks about the change in heart. I will give you a new heart. So these are elements of the new covenant. God will give us a new heart. Our problem is not the law of God. Our problem is the heart of men. And Jesus says he is able to save all who come to him. So as we continue to study the book of Hebrews, let us come boldly to the throne of God and be saved through this new covenant. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen.